0: But what I'll tend to do if I post something really positive is I'll be—I'll literally deliberately contradict myself halfway through and say, "Look, I'm aware social media is all sunshine and rainbows." What you don't see is to achieve all of that, these are the sacrifices I'm making at the moment. Hi everyone, welcome back to the Stay Hungry podcast. Today I'm talking about how to run a rebellious business with Cordelia Kate. Cordelia, welcome to the Stay Hungry podcast.
1: Hello, thank you for having me.
0: You are welcome. So, for I always say this, I don't know, I need to come up with a new line. For the uninitiated, tell us who you are and what you do.
1: <laughs> for the uninitiated. Well, hello there, uninitiated. I'm Cordelia. I am the Rebellious Business Coach, and essentially I work with startups to help them start a successful online business that will be sustainable and keep them going forevermore.
0: Nice. So why Rebellious?
1: Well, um, It was an idea that came to me in the shower that then became a concept, which I'm sure we've all had that happen before. Um, but rebellious is kind of mainly about being, when you're a rebel in entrepreneurship, you are having the tenacity and the courage to really be yourself, especially after a lifetime of feeling like you had to fit in. And I myself was really badly bullied at school and have always felt a little bit of an outcast in some ways, because my mum and my dad are from completely different parts of life. Like, you know, my mum was brought up in a council house. My dad was brought up in a mini mansion. Um, He used to pick her up in his Bentley when she'd be hitchhiking. So I'm like the product of that relationship, which is really awesome because it's allowed me to be able to fit into like any scenario and get on with anyone because my family are all just so different um then you know I I married an an Asian guy and was part of it was the in-law inside a Pakistani family and so I've always been a bit kind of not quite fitting in Mm -hmm. and always really wanted to always really wanted to belong always trying to find my tribe find my crew and I didn't actually find them really until I started business but then realized that in order to actually win clients and become a success I had to stand out out they say stand out but What I teach in the whole rebellious concept is you don't need to stand out. You just need to be yourself, Mm -hmm. which is scary and an act of rebellion because you're going against everything you possibly thought you needed to do to get along in society, which was blend in, be one of the crowd, have a group of friends around you, you know, do well at work, fit in, climb the ladder, do the things. And we don't do that in entrepreneurship. So it's bloody rebellious.
0: And isn't it weird when you do that? because I, I completely relate to your story and what you're saying about the the fitting in thing. But isn't it weird when you start, I hate to use the word authentic, it's a gross word at the moment, but when you start to be kind of your authentic self and just not give a shit anymore, how many more friends you attract?
1: Yeah, because confidence is attractive, right? And it, it's, it, yeah, it's magnetic, absolutely. You do repel people, though. Let's not, yeah, let's yeah. not gloss over yeah, that. Yeah, way.
0: yeah, absolutely. they are alone,
1: that can't stand me. I'm just okay with it. Like, I really don't care. Because the people that I've got in my space, the clients, the friends, they're not fake. They're not those fake connections. They're deep yeah. connections. Like, my community is incredible. We're, we're, we just shouted that we're going to, do some kind of meetup soon and genuinely I'm going to do it on a Saturday in my time off because I want to because they're an awesome crowd of people that I actually would love to hang out with at the bar and that's what it's all about yeah. so it's just get rid of the ones that you don't connect with and pull the ones in closer that you really want to get that you really do get on with and then not only is your client base awesome but your friendship circle is awesome as well and just the people in your life Yeah. Um, so yeah
0: love that love that so you're used to working with startups let's say uh i'm a, let's pretend i'm a startup right now and i don't know my place in the world i don't know uh anything about how to position my business where where do you begin
1: well you've got to begin with clarity so we've got to get a little bit clarity you're never going to get full clarity without taking action the majority of the clarity you'll get about the place in your world, who you are, um, the product that you're selling, your audience, you will gain that clarity through taking the action, um, which is working with people and running your business. But we've got to start with a little bit of clarity. So initially, we want to get an idea of what you're passionate about, What mm. are your niche, what, what's your niche going to be, who's your audience and all that kind of thing, and just get a bit of the next thing that we want to do is market research. So once we've got a bit of clarity around that we don't want to i mean most business courses they will teach you to fill in an avatar worksheet where you know you write down where people are hanging out online and what their likes and dislikes are and it's all just based on fiction or an old version of you yeah so you get out there and actually start building those connections talking to people going to events having interviews with people to find out more about them and, and etc and and really then just putting stuff out to the market to test it to see if anyone around you is interested in what you've got to offer. So it, basically, in a nutshell, that's, that's where we begin.
0: Love that. And once you've kind of got that clarity, and you understand what you're offering is, what's the next step?
1: We Just get and build it, like build your plane whilst you're flying it. Too many people are trying to build their business before they tell anyone about it. Mm. and you just got to get out there and put it out there and and it's, it's like fishing isn't it it's like how do you know if you've got the perfect bait if you haven't thrown fishing wire into the river yet before
0: like you sound like you do a lot of fishing
1: <laughs> i don't do any fishing <laughs> No, but you've got you've got to test things you have to put things out to the market people get too hung up over things bombing you are going to put things out over and over again that bomb and you're going to put some things out that are a massive hit and the only way you're going to know what to dial in on is through the tests that you make so put it out there sell it first and then build it and one thing that i recommend is to start selling one-to-one and then start selling group programs and then build out your low ticket things because Honestly, like I, I I really feel passionate about this. There's a lot of people that I'm speaking to that are wasting time by building courses or building things, building funnels, building courses, building products before they've even marketed it. And the problem is, is you've got an untested concept. So you want to literally sell things. And the way that you do that is to sell things live. So yeah. if you're gonna sell a course, well, you wanna sell the course and then deliver it live rather than, you know, make the course and Create the messaging for the course and then put the course out there because you don't know if it's going to sell. So just put stuff out and build it as you go.
0: People find that really hard to believe um, that it takes nearly as much effort to sell a high ticket one to one as it does Mm -hmm. to sell like a 20 quid course. So you're better off selling the high ticket one to one.
1: Well, it's easier It's 100% easier, because when you're when you're working one to one, you get to tailor that entire product to the person you're speaking to. So if I've got someone that comes to me with um, a problem about their email list, you know, I'm not trying to sell them a course that teaches them about how to build an email list, how to put together a product, how to do this, how to do that, how to do that, I just say to them, well, what we're going to do, then is we're just going to work together for the next few weeks to get a high converting lead magnet out there that's going to attract people onto your email list. And we'll start churning out some content to promote that. And then we'll start populating that. And then what we'll do is we'll focus on the back end of that email list so that we're getting people on the phone and getting you sales calls. Sound good. So instead of putting people into a carbon copy cut out process that you've created over here, mm. you're going, that's your problem. Cool. Here's how I'm going to solve your problem, because it's entirely bespoke. So when you start selling one to one, you don't even need to have a method or a process that you take people through you see to listen. And know that you can solve that person's problem and then just tailor the whole thing around them. So it's so much easier to sell one yeah. to one than to
0: sell a course. And then as you scale, you just build a framework. And that's exactly what we've done as a business. So we have a framework of three packages, but they're still all tailored to each client. There's no, it's, we can't possibly just say, well, you need Facebook ads. <laughs> and they're like, well, no, I don't. <laughs> it doesn't, it's not how it works. But what's kind of been, um, your best achievement so far with a client?
1: Um, probably them doing six figures in a week. That was pretty insane. Nice. <laughs> uh, that was just off the back of a market research task as well. Um, that is a really awesome strategy. You know, actually being able to find clients from your market research. Mm. Genius. He smashed it six figures in a week. Um, but there's been loads like that. I mean, we've got so many screenshots of things. I look at them sometimes. I'm like, it's just a little bit unbelievable. Like, do people actually believe it? It's like, oh, yeah, I've had a 28 grand day. It's like, okay, <laughs> can I achieve that? Um, but yeah, and, and it does. It depends it Depends on a few things. Like, how much how much of an audience you've got, how much low-hanging fruit you've got around you. Some people have got loads of low-hanging fruit around them. And they have no idea how to tap into it. Yeah. And so we just give them a key lock the unlock it. You know, I had a lady that came and joined me and she'd never had a sales call. All of the people that come to work with her had just contacted her and said, I want to work with you. How much is it? And how do I join? And so, you know, when we put a thing out, just offering um, a strategy call, she got like 18 people book in for a strategy call. And we had so many people that we were trying to serve that we actually prem- two months prematurely launched her group coaching program off the back of just putting that call out for strategy calls and filled it.
0: Yeah, um, yeah. Right. And so, yeah. It's like you are saying before, so many people in that kind of space, particularly the coaching space, where they're like so worried about building their program and their courses, and it might be Kajabi or ClickFunnels or Mighty Networks, whatever platform they're, or platforms they're on, when ultimately, once you've got the demand there, you could start a WhatsApp group and charge for it
1: yeah definitely <laughs> yeah
0: So, what's next for rebellious
1: what's next well lots like i'm just so like you talk about staying hungry i am so hungry and there's so much that we want to do um at the moment we are re kind of designing our whole programs mm. and then on the back end to just bring it all together actually i'm not going to say anything about that because it's secret and we're not announced yet, but we, we're just about to create like a mega program essentially. So that's one thing that's next starting to do some live events, which is cool, just some casual ones, um, meetups and, uh, like mastermind sessions for our clients, etc. that's nice. coming very soon. Um, but really the big thing that's next is that we have built out our whole essential model and we want to be able to serve more people mm. and we, are starting to think about passive revenue streams in the sense that you know coming to work with us isn't cheap and not everyone can afford to do it so we want to repackage up some of what what we're doing into kind of affordable programs and courses that people will be able to tap into that won't have the the live support and all of that kind of stuff because that's the piece that's really expensive um, because obviously that's time and so that's that's the next leg of our journey, really, is to start building out some of the more accessible stuff on the bottom, building out those passive income streams as well, um, you know, that allow us to serve more people, raise our revenue, make more impact and just, you know, take things to the next level.
0: That's wicked. That's wicked. So going back to the point you made about low hanging fruit, when you start mm-hmm. working with a business, how easy is it to identify if they've got low hanging fruit or not?
1: It's fairly easy to identify. I mean, sometimes it really isn't. I'll give you an example. I had one one lady that came to work with me and she didn't think she had any. And by the way, this is what everybody thinks. They all think that no one in their existing network needs what they do. Mm. But I have this conversation like on a weekly basis, it's like, well, you're making assumptions. You don't know that you might do. Let's just test it. Sometimes we test it and there isn't any, and we've got to, you know, put in, um, contingency plans to to boost that audience yeah. from the get go but the majority of people do have um people in their existing network that need what they do they just don't know that you do it yet or they don't know you know that you can help them with that problem so one example is um a lady that came to me as probably a couple of years ago now and um what, what it is cuz she's just graduated she's been working with me for two years and um she She came to me and she wanted to start a coaching business in anxiety coaching, just to help people to, you know, ditch the anxiety and feel better essentially. And she was like, yeah, but nobody, nobody needs this. And what we needed to do was to get kind of her out there talking about. This was also a little bit daunting because Mm. she felt that she wanted to share her story and her history with anxiety, which hadn't done before. So we put some posts out. well, she well, she put some posts out, sharing her story, talking about anxiety, and she had so many people reaching out to her, saying, Oh my God, like, I really needed to hear that today. Um you know, can I jump on and have a chat with you? and she she had her community being built and her first clients really, really quickly. Um, so I think everyone assumes um that especially at the beginning, they've got to go to paid ads or they've got to go and get the cold traffic somehow or they've got to get out in front of an audience because they don't have one already but the truth is is that all the connections that we have on social media and in and around our lives there's either someone that needs what you do or there's people that know people that need what you do Um, and the only way that we can find that out is to test it because social media is a highlight reel. So no one's wearing their problems on their sleeves, apart from like, you know, the odd moany person that loves to (laughs) express all the negativity on social media. Personally, I'm not connected with those ones. I don't think many of us will be. But nobody is sharing what is going on behind the scenes in the darkness on social media. Which is why when we do put out a vulnerable post, like sharing story, like I remember putting out a post about leaving my ex-husband mm. and that me and my kids into a caravan. Um, we were now homeless and I had two women that have been going through domestic violence, um, issues, you know, reach out and say, oh my God, you've given me so much strength through that. And we get those messages, don't we, when we get real and, yeah. you know, um, authentic or rebellious, if you like, um, on social media. But yeah, you've just got to test it. Like, you know, you've got to put things out there. Now, I know someone's definitely not got any low hanging fruit if they come to me and go, I don't have social media and I've only just plugged in the internet and I've been living in a cave for the last 10 years. I'm like, okay, cool. We've got to start this from the beginning. And <laughs> that's going to take a bit longer. So, who else lives um, in the cave? The
0: majority...
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who else lives in the cave? Yeah, exactly. There's always going
0: to be someone.
1: Yeah,
0: but yeah, we all do. I love that. So something you you touched on there, and it's uh, it's a technique I use as well. So I, social media in general is all sunshine and rainbows because like you say, it's a highlight reel. But what I'll tend to do if I post something really positive is I'll be I'll literally deliberately contradict myself halfway through and say, look, I'm aware social media is all sunshine and rainbows. What you don't see is to achieve all of that, these are the sacrifices I'm making at the moment. You know, I'm more tired than ever. Uh, I'm not able to spend as much time with my wife as I'd like to. I'm on the road six or seven days a week. And when you do that, the engagement rate goes through the roof.
1: Mm, Yeah. It's because you're relatable all of a sudden. You go from being this pie in the sky to being human and that that's the purpose of marketing is human connection, right? Yeah, you just got to connect on a human level. The purpose of marketing is not to sell. I mean, the, the, the outcome of that objective is the reason why we're marketing, but that the actual purpose, the intention of your marketing efforts are to build relationships with other human beings so that they grow to know you like you trust you, right? So mm. when we get human like that, and we allow people to connect with us, and we get down to a human level and keep it real, you you get loads more engagement. And it's like, you can put a, a, a tips post out about how to make a post go viral on Instagram, and you can put a post out about, you know, the birth of one of your children and the post about the birth of one of your children will get a lot more engagement than the tips post every single time. So yeah, human connection, you need to have that embedded in your social media content, otherwise you're just missing out massively.
0: Yeah inject some reality massively and i think it injects some vulnerability as well because if you're if you're saying um i'm not vulnerable or my audience don't want to see that i'm vulnerable you're wrong
1: mm, yeah
0: cool so um if a business owner is listening right now and they're either going through the startup process or they're ready to te- take the next step what would be your number one tip for them
1: depends where they're at the technique—they're going through this. Go, give me more details, Joel. I need, yeah. I, need I need, I need the deets. Okay. Give
0: me the, give me the okay. So let's let's handle the startup first. So they've got they've got their shit together. Um, they know their kind of vision. They know uh what what they're offering, who they're offering it to. But they're kind of at that place now where they've exploited, for want of a better phrase, all of their contacts. They're they're pretty hot on their social. How do they like put that on steroids?
1: So first thing, like with organic marketing, you can go a lot further than you think. So we've done, I don't even know, near like half a million on organic without running ads. Mm. Now I'm not saying that I don't agree with running ads, but running ads is great. And actually you can get somewhere a lot quicker if you start running ads. However. We need to get the organic game flowing first, because even when someone's looking at your ads, they're gonna come back and check out your socials before Mm. they decide to work with you, because we do research, right? Mm. So we wanna get the organic game. Now, I would be looking at what they're currently doing on social media, what their lead magnets are, are they list building? The interesting thing is actually, um, from the education that I had, it's like, I would assume that everybody builds an email list first. They don't, they go and build a website And then they go and create social media posts and then they use those social media posts to direct people to their website or get people to book calls or get people to buy products. The conversion rate on that is going to be really, really slim. You've got a 0.53% engagement rate on social media compared to a 25% on average open rate with email and actually we want to be getting that up and higher than that anyway. So we need to be building an email list and we need to be getting people onto that mailing list so that we can then sell to them. So what we want to do is harness and use the network that you've got around you to grow and expand even further. So a couple of things are number one, collaboration, Um, you want to be doing what me and Joel are doing right now, right? We're, we're on a podcast. He's invited me on for an interview. I'm gonna share this with my audience. He's gonna share it with his audience. A few more people will know about Joel. A few more people will know about me and that's how collaboration works. So power of collaboration is number one. About, s- about six in total. Uh?
0: About six in total.
1: About six, six of what? Six, oh, six Six people. new
0: people will know, No, <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh,
1: no, but like the, People think you need to have, oh, I had better establish my audience before I'm good enough to invite anyone in. Like, no, look at who you've got around you and in your existing network. Who are your friends that can complement your niche? When I first started out with this, what must have been 2017, I was interviewing people that were on the same course as me to, you know, create, create interviews online and, and share between us. So, yeah, yeah. you know, that worked quite well. Um, so collaboration. Number two what are you doing in terms of lead nurture and uh, community building and list building and have a look at that because there's probably holes in what you're doing if your audience isn't growing. So first and foremost, we wanna get you building a community. Every business needs a community. And the great thing about communities is they aid retention and they grow on their own. So you'll have people inside your community that are inviting their friends. Mm. You can create incentives for people to invite their friends. Um, you'll have collaboration happening and you know, their friends will be coming in too. So that in itself can snowball and grow really well. And that's what happened with our network, the Rebellious Business Network. You know, it started off with 20 people and now it's 1,300 people, and that's all been organic and all been sort of word of mouth growth. Because word of mouth will account for 59% of your sales if yeah. you do a good job. You know, so people are gonna talk about you anyway. So you might as well get them talking about you in a nice way, right? <laughs> If 60% of your marketing is done for you, that's pretty nice. So you can grow quite, quite well with that. And the next thing is live events. You want to be running live events and that might terrify you, but it is the most powerful and fastest way to grow your audience because you're gathering people into a room and you're building relationships with them. And I'm not talking about physical events. You can do that if you want. There are overheads, it's a bit of an, you know, you've got to organize it. It's a bit kind of long winded. What you can do is just run a Zoom, Zoom call. And you can advertise that on Eventbrite. I've got a client that is a trauma coach and she does, you know, live kind of training and coaching and stuff on trauma, which is a freebie. And she advertises it on Eventbrite and she gets three or four leads a day coming in from Eventbrite, which is free, right? So then you've got them coming into your mailing list, coming to your live event, building a relationship with you, telling their friends about it, you know, and it just continues to grow. And you can get really far like that, just doing it that way. Um, you know, we, we have been completely organic. We had a good existing audience, but we've been completely organic. And within the first couple of months, did like a 28 K launch into a community of 200 people. Um, so yeah, that's, that's what I would suggest.
0: Nice. And I think those tips apply to the business that's established as well. Yeah. I mean, like we've been going, well, I've been in business 13 years. Codebreak has been going nearly five, um. And we haven't even got to the, we we do live webinars, don't get me wrong, and we do live challenges, but we're about to do a live in-person event, our first one. And um, the reason is because all the fundamentals you just outlined still apply to us now as an established business.
1: 100%. We got commissioned, I've got a concept called Tribe Funnels, which basically means instead of just building a funnel, which is evergreen webinar that goes to an email list and a sales call, you're actually building a community mm. and you've got live events that are bringing people into that community. Um, so we, we installed a Tribe Funnel for an SME, I would say. well, Kind of, a bit smaller than an SME, but about 150,000 contacts on their email list, quite a nice size business, turning over probably about a million a year. We installed a Tribe Funnel into that business just by adding a community and live events and it's massively increased their revenue. In fact, that's then developed onto them doing weekly workshops off the back of the challenges that we did. And they're now doing between 600,000 and a million a month in revenue because they've got those systems in place that nurture people fast. And that's what happens with live events. That's what happens when you get in the room with someone, I call it a whirlwind, this you know, You can go to the event, and you can see a speaker on stage and you can be running to the back of the room within 30 minutes of even knowing they exist to buy their products because you just built a relationship with them quickly because you're tapping into their energy.
0: Yeah, um, yeah. Exactly that. And, and, you know, if you're a small business, you can do it on quite an intimate level. You could get six, seven, eight people in a room and you'll find that they get loads from it. You probably convert half the room. And kind of everyone's a winner. Yeah. Nice. So I've got two questions for you that I ask every single guest on this podcast. Um, The first question is, what's the best mistake you've ever made?
1: The Best mistake I've ever made.
0: You can blame someone you know very well for this question being on the podcast, by the way.
1: Oh, I'll tell you what, I've got a really good one, actually. And I don't know if it's the best mistake. I'll probably come off here and go, oh, no, that was the best mistake I've ever made because, you know, it's like that, isn't it? But there was a mistake that I made and it's been incredible, actually, to have made it, which is inside our academy. We have an incredible community Mm. like the guys in there are awesome. And it's just such, you know, we call it the tribe vibes, like such a buzzing environment to be in and we moved from facebook and whatsapp which is where we hosted like basically the, the community we had the course hosted on teachable and then we had facebook where people could post things for feedback and then we had whatsapp oh. for just quickfire questions and community support and we moved everything in-house to mighty networks and um yeah the community died all of a sudden it just was tumbleweeds and I'm like you know I'm supposed to be the girl that builds communities and I didn't know how to get that community back like it was just it just wasn't happening and I sat there watching it kind of just dwindle for a couple of months going I need to do something about this I don't know what to do I don't know whether I should make another change just now do we just let settle um we put a survey out and then I read the survey results at about six o'clock in the morning and I was like enough (laughs) we're gonna get the whatsapp back And so I put together the WhatsApp group and we got everyone back in there and literally Joel, seriously within 20 minutes. And it's not stopped since the community is back really strong. And the lesson in this is that sometimes it's nice to sort of have a destination site or to move away from social media platforms. And sometimes we want to make changes because we want to improve things. You know, it was Mm. only ever to improve the experience, to get rid of some noise and not be in everyone's pocket all the time and, you know, reduce notifications. But when we got that WhatsApp group back, they're all, even the ones that were like, oh, the WhatsApp group's a bit noisy and annoying. Everyone's just like so happy to have it back and be in there. It feels like a family again. So yeah the biggest lesson there is don't change stuff all the time and actually be very careful if you've got a very good dynamic with a very good community and you go and change a platform or you go and make a big change you can break it so and, yeah. and i'm like i love change like i'm that i'm that squirrel that just yeah loves yeah new.
0: bit of shiny object love- syndrome yeah yeah, yeah.
1: Nobody gets software, do you know what I mean? But yeah, not everyone does.
0: We had had a client um, that we used to call Magpie Mark, because every time we got something working for him, he'd he'd be on to the next thing, we'd never be able to keep him on the And it's like, it's a entrepreneurial trait that you have to keep in check sometimes.
1: Yeah, definitely. Is it Nick James said to me once he was like, going from six to seven figures is going to be boring Cordelia. And I was like, is it right?" And he was like, because you've just got to do the same thing over and over again. Now he said, naught to six figures is, is, is fun because you're just testing things, trying things that da, are da, da. six to seven, you've got to do the same thing over and over again. You can introduce something every now and then, but you can't keep like, you know, and I'm like that sometimes I sit here and I'm like, I've got an idea for a whole new program. And I can literally have that launched and sold within a week. And I nearly did that this week. And I was like about to remind myself, no, we're not gonna do a specific programme that teaches people how to launch in September. We're not gonna do it. We're just gonna, we're not gonna do it. Don't do it. And I've I've put the team through many a death slide. I mainly put myself through the death slide because I don't like short term like delegating without enough time, um, given. But you yeah, you've got to just stick with what works. You've got to just yeah. stay there.
0: And, and, and it can be a bit boring. Your audience need that structure too, sometimes, like. Once you're uh, a matured business, they need to know what the journey looks like. And if that journey keeps changing, you lose people.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Right. Last question. Really serious on this. What's your favourite film and why?
1: Oh, do you know what? It's probably got to be Rain Man. Oh,
0: nice. (laughs) No one's ever said that either.
1: I love that film. And it's probably fresh in my mind because I've watched it in the last few months, but I also remember just how much I love it.
0: It's because you relate I to do. it. You build courses in a week. That's...
1: <laughs> yeah, it's easy to build a course in a week. You just <laughs> come up with a concept, sell it, and then build it whilst they're with you. Um, no, but Rain Man's awesome. And I think it's to do with the fact that he's vulnerable, he's intelligent, there's a diamond inside of him. And I just connect with him so much. I think mean, that's probably the nurse and the mum and me that just sort of I love a bit of rain, man. It's just so he's so lovely. I would I would dab him. I'd have him here, I'd adopt him.
0: Nice. <laughs> love that. So, what's the best way to get in touch with you?
1: Um, well, thankfully, because my dad, you know, uh, named me after some Shakespearean character. I'm quite easy to find because there's not that many Cordelias. In fact, I think there were only 32 Cordelias that were born last year. So I'm quite easy to find. You can just search for Cordelia Kate or search for Rebellious Business, which is also on your name. Um, come and join the community. Come and join the Facebook group. Come and check out our weekly live events. Um, Rebellious Business Network. Yeah, just get your Google on.
0: Perfect. Cordelia, thanks for being a wicked guest.
1: Thanks for having me. It's been fun.